Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes. The Brain That Changes Itself Stories of Personal Triumph from the Frontiers of Brain Science by Norman Doidge. In this book, psychiatrist and psychoanalyst Dr. Norman Doidge provides a comprehensive review of neuroplasticity, or the brain's ability to change itself. Through a collection of stories from scientists, doctors, and patients, he explains how the brain works when and how plasticity occurs, and its implications for diseases, disabilities, aging, and learning. Ready to find out more? Let's begin. Early Discoveries For many years, scientists believed in localization, which says that each part of the brain is fixed to a specific task or body organ. Neuroscientist Paul Bakke-Rita started to question this in the early 1960s when brain scans suggested that the visual part of a cat's brain was also used to process other functions like touch and sound. Paul began to think of the brain as polysensory, that is, each sensory area can process signals from multiple senses. A blind man can tell what's around him by sweeping a cane back and forth, using his skin receptors to receive data which are decoded in the brain. We actually see with our brains, not our eyes. This insight has led to many inventions based on sensory substitution, such as gloves that allow blind people to read computer screens. Paul's own father suffered a stroke which destroyed 97% of the nerves connecting his cerebral cortex to the spine. He was told that he'd never walk again. Yet, after going through a series of therapies with his sons, he managed to walk and recover all his functions. Seven years after the stroke, a brain scan showed that the lesion from his stroke never healed yet his brain had somehow reorganized itself to accomplish the amazing recovery. We'll now dive deeper into how neuroplasticity really works and what it means. Understanding Brain Plasticity Human beings have about one billion brain neurons, each neuron a cell body, an axon which carries electrical impulses, and dendrites which receive inputs from other neurons. Synapses are the microscopic spaces between axons through which signals travel. When they're strengthened, the connections between neurons increase. Rewiring the brain is all about strengthening or weakening the synapses. Michael Merzenich is a leading neuroscientist who specializes in using brain maps and targeted brain training to redesign the brain. A brain map shows which parts of a brain are associated with different sensations or activities. Using microelectrodes, you can create a micro map that's about 1,000 times more precise than normal brain scans. Merzenich's research uncovered many invaluable insights about plasticity. When a median nerve in a monkey's hand was cut, 
the affected part of the brain map went silent initially. After two months, the adjacent map areas had expanded to invade the unused map space. Within five months, the unused areas in the brain had been fully reassigned. In short, if you don't use a part of your brain, you'll lose it. Merzenich also proved that neurons which fire together will wire together. When he sewed together two fingers on a monkey's hand, the brain maps of the two fingers merged together. When he separated the fingers, the maps split again. In another experiment, he prevented the monkey from using its fingers individually while repeatedly stimulating all five fingertips. After more than a month, the monkey's brain map grew an extra finger map where the five fingertips were merged. Brain maps are organized topographically to mirror the body. For example, the brain map for the middle finger sits between the maps for our index and ring fingers. However, the maps are not hardwired. Brain areas have been found to change their borders, relocate to another part of the brain, or even disappear altogether. When you're focused intensely on a task, the brain becomes more plastic to facilitate long-term change. When you don't pay attention, for example, during multitasking, the changes don't last. As you practice and improve in a skill, your neurons become more efficient and you'll need fewer neurons to perform the task. This frees up brain capacity for other new skills or tasks. That's why it's hard initially to learn a new sport or instrument, but the activity feels effortless once you've mastered it. Based on all of these insights, Merzenich and his colleagues developed the Fast Forward program for people with dyslexia, autism, and language impairment. After several weeks, children on the program showed significant improvements in speech, language, and auditory processing. When one brain system changes, the systems linked to it change too. Dyslexic children who completed the program improved not only their language skills, but also their handwriting and ability to focus. In the meantime, scientists David Hubel and Torsten Weissel had also discovered critical periods of plasticity in young animals. There's a critical window during which a newborn kitten had to receive visual stimulation for normal development. If a kitten's eye is sewn shut and opened only after the critical period, it will be blind in that eye for life. Instead, the area of the brain that processed inputs from the shut eye will be reassigned to process inputs from the open eye. Other scientists soon discovered similar critical periods for other brain systems. During such periods, the brain goes through rapid formative growth and is especially sensitive to environmental stimuli. Merzenich went on to uncover more about plasticity, critical periods, and autism. The nucleus basalis is the part of the brain that allows us to pay attention, change our brain map, and remember what we've learned. During the critical period, it's turned on to increase plasticity. By stimulating the nucleus basalis, we can artificially turn on the critical period to facilitate learning in adults, or help severely brain-injured patients to relearn critical functions. 
baby rats that were exposed to white noise ended up with similar symptoms as autistic children. Merzenich believes that during the critical period, children who are overexcited may end up locking in too many connections in their brains instead of just the important ones. They end up with undifferentiated brain maps and hypersensitivity. Armed with these new insights, the team could now tailor a fast-forward program for autism. Rejuvenating and Preserving Our Brains Merzenich believes that brain exercises can be as effective as drugs in treating diseases like schizophrenia or Alzheimer's disease and for preserving cognitive functions in old age. During childhood and early development, we go through intense periods of focused learning. As we grow older, we tend to rely on what we already know, so the plasticity-related parts of the brain waste away under the use-it-or-lose-it rule. Posit science was founded to help people extend their mental lifespans and preserve their brain plasticity. After just 40 to 50 hours of training, their program helped adults above 60 years old to turn back their memory clock by 10 to 25 years. Although our brain cells decline naturally like other organs, it's possible to preserve and rejuvenate them. Neuronal stem cells are the baby cells of our brain that keep multiplying until we die. There are two main ways to increase your number of brain neurons. First, physical exercise helps to stimulate the growth of new stem cells. Second, you can extend the life of existing neurons by learning new things. Dr. Stanley Karansky is an exemplary model of cognitive health. At the age of 90, he barely experienced any cognitive decline. His secret is simple. Stay physically active and be a lifelong learner. You don't need strenuous exercise for brain health. Natural limb movements, such as walking, is enough to stimulate the growth of new neurons, increase oxygen supply to the brain, and help to maintain your balance system. Engage regularly in mentally challenging activities that require your full concentration. Dr. Karansky loves puzzles and is always trying out new things. For example, he'd spend five years learning about astronomy, then move on to a new subject. Recovering from spine or brain damage. For a long time, it was believed that nothing could be done for stroke patients. Neurologist Edward Taub proved otherwise. Even if part of the brain dies, plasticity may kick in so long as there's adjacent living tissue to take over the lost functions. Taub did many deafferentiation experiments with monkeys. He'd cut the sensory nerves to prevent signals from being sent up the spine to the brain, then observed the outcomes. When Taub cut the sensory nerves in a monkey's arm, the monkey stopped using the limb even though the motor nerves, which stimulate movement, were still intact. When the monkey had one arm deafferented and the good arm restrained in a sling, it forced itself to use the deafferented arm. Finally, when both arms were deafferented, the monkeys managed to move both arms. Even when the entire spinal cord was deafferented, the monkey could still use its limbs. These proved that the brain's sensory and motor programs are independent, 
and the brain can initiate voluntary movement if it's forced to do so. Taub suspected that the monkey in the first experiment had learned not to use its deafferented limb. When a spinal cord is cut, spinal shock sets in for two to six months, during which the neurons have problems firing. So, after trying and failing to move its deafferented arm, the monkey gave up and simply relied on its good arm. Over time, the motor map for the deafferented arm weakened to result in learned non-use. Taub proved this with his next experiment. He put a sling on the deafferented arm right after the surgery so the monkey couldn't try to move it during the initial spinal shock. When the restraint was removed after three months, the monkey indeed learned to use the deafferented limb. Next, Taub proved that learned non-use could be reversed. Several years after the deafferentation, he managed to teach the monkey to use its arm again. Taub designed the constraint-induced, or CI, movement therapy to help stroke patients to rewire their brains. Patients relearn how to move by going through a similar learning process as babies. They learn to crawl, play games on the floor, and take baby steps. This therapy has helped many stroke patients, cerebral palsy patients, and even those who have been paralyzed for many years to move and speak again. Such training is the most effective when the skill closely relates to everyday life. The training focuses on incremental improvements, and it's concentrated in a short period of massed practice. Our brain is so malleable that every thought leaves a trace to alter our brain. Regaining a brain function doesn't mean the brain is restored to its original state since the molecules would have changed. In normal brains, the right and left sides of the brain focus on different functions, which are coordinated through electrical signals. Research scientist Jordan Grafham discovered four types of plasticity. First, Map expansion happens at the edges of a brain area. The center of a brain area is the most committed to a task. However, the borders are more easily taken over by adjacent areas based on the use-it-or-lose-it rule. Second, sensory reassignment will kick in when a sense is blocked. For example, a blinded man typically starts to develop a heightened sense of sound or touch. Third, the brain has multiple ways to tackle a task. For example, you can get from point A to point B using visual landmarks or spatial sense, and your brain will choose the approach that you're stronger in. Finally, when part of the brain fails, the mirror region in the opposite hemisphere will try to take over the mental function as far as possible. Let's look at the case of Paul, a pseudonym who crushed a part of his right brain in an accident when he was seven months old. Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes. Strangely, when he was 17, he was struggling with arithmetic, which is typically a left brain function. 
a scan showed that his left parietal area was only weakly activated. When the accident happened, Paul was only seven months old, and visual-spatial skills were more crucial than arithmetic, so his brain assigned his left parietal lobe to perform the tasks of the damaged right lobe. By the time Paul started to learn arithmetic, the central part of his parietal lobe was already committed for visual-spatial processing, so he could only use the leftover capacity for arithmetic. In another example, Michelle Mack was born with only the right half of her brain, yet she managed to live a largely normal life because her right brain hemisphere took over the functions of the left brain hemisphere and coped by economizing its own functions. For instance, she had slightly poorer vision on her right side, but this was compensated by heightened hearing and supersensitive touch. Overcoming bad habits, obsessions, and pain. If the brain is so malleable, then why are we so rigid in some areas? Basically, the more we do something, the more it reinforces certain neuronal pathways to form habits. To change habits and existing brain patterns, you must block the existing pathways and replace them with new pathways. Take the case of patients with OCD, or obsessive-compulsive disorder. They're chronically worried because of faulty brain circuits. Normally, when we make a mistake, we feel anxious and seek to take corrective action. Once we've corrected the mistake, our brain switches gear so we can move on. In OCD patients, these parts of the brain are hyperactive and locked together, so they keep obsessing even after they've corrected the mistake. The solution is to recognize when they're having an OCD attack and relabel the problem accordingly. For example, I'm not being attacked by germs. I'm having an OCD episode because of my faulty brain circuit. Then, immediately refocus on a positive and pleasurable activity, like gardening or music, to avoid acting on the compulsion. Neurons that fire apart, wire apart. By repeatedly replacing the compulsion with other responses, the patient will weaken the old circuits, reinforce new ones, and unlock the OCD patterns. Patients may also experience physical pain due to mental illusions. For example, amputees often feel phantom pains in their missing limbs. So, how do you treat a body part that isn't even there? Neurologist V.S. Ramachandran theorized that such pains come from a mismatch in the brain map and physical body. After a body part is lost, the brain may sprout new connections and cross-wiring may occur in the process. Tom, a pseudonym, had his arm amputated just above the elbow but continued to feel an itch in his phantom hand. Ramachandran diagnosed that Tom's hand and face maps had blurred together. So, when he touched Tom's face, Tom felt it on both sides of his face and the phantom hand. They found the solution. Tom can now scratch his phantom hand by scratching his cheek. Pain isn't actually real. It's a construct of our brain because the brain gathers inputs from multiple sources before deciding to trigger pain.
Ramachandran devised a way to use imagination and perception to counter the pain from such mental illusions. He created a mirror box so amputees could see and feel the missing limb. When they move their good limb, it creates the illusion of moving the phantom limb. The brain receives new signals that the limb is no longer frozen, and the pain eases. By using the box for several minutes a day over a few weeks, a patient can be rid of the pain permanently. Plasticity and Learning Mental practice can be as powerful as physical training because the brain doesn't differentiate between imagination and action. People who have never studied piano before were taught a sequence of notes. They learned which fingers to move while they listened to the notes. One group sat in front of a piano and imagined practicing the sequence, while another group physically practiced it. After two hours of daily practice over five days, both groups could play as accurately and showed similar changes in their brain maps. You can even build muscular strength by doing imaginary exercises instead of physical ones. In yet another study, researchers found that plastic change happened differently throughout the week. Students' brain maps expanded drastically by Friday after a week of learning, only to return to normal by Monday. This happened for six months. Then the Monday maps started to increase slowly. This suggests that there's a difference between short-term and long-term learning. Cramming information won't create lasting change. You need persistence to develop long-term skills. Acquire tastes, sexual attraction, and love. Our personal tastes can be inborn or acquired. All babies naturally like milk and sweets, whereas things like blue cheese and sea urchins take some getting used to. Human sexual preferences are not hardwired for reproduction, but influenced by our experiences. Heterosexuals may convert to bisexualism and vice versa. People may also develop fetishes or sexual perversions like masochism or voyeurism. Sigmund Freud, a famous neurologist and psychoanalyst, discovered the existence of critical periods for sexual plasticity. The early interactions with our parents or primary caregivers can shape our sexual preferences. We may seek a caring, ambivalent, or erratic partner depending on how we were wired as children. As we repeat these patterns in adulthood, it further reinforces the wiring. The author had a patient who was compulsively drawn to violent, emotionally out-of-control women. His mother had been an alcoholic, and his childhood was full of emotional turmoil, violence, and sexuality. So, his brain maps for sex and violence had become mixed up. By slowly disassociating the two maps, he could gradually shift toward healthier relationships. As a society, We've also grown more tolerant of sexual perversions because hard pornography has become so widely available. Not surprisingly, porn addiction has been on the rise. The addicts find themselves seeking out porn even if they don't want to. Young men are turning to Viagra-type drugs thinking they're impotent, 
when their sexual brain maps have been changed so they're no longer turned on by normal lovemaking. Fortunately, most addicts are able to return to normalcy once they understand the issue and go cold turkey to rewire their brain. When we fall in love or begin parenting, it also triggers plasticity and massive brain changes. This is due to the release of oxytocin, which creates bonding in mammals. Scientists call it an amnestic hormone because it wipes away existing neuronal connections to facilitate large-scale changes. This is nature's way of helping us to unlearn old behaviors and relearn new ones so we can adapt to our new partners and parenting roles. When you're in love, the things closely associated with that person become rewired in your brain, which explains why some people may even find their partner's scars to be endearing. However, you'll also fall out of love as the novelty wears off, so it's important to keep injecting novelty into your relationship. Psychotherapy and Neuroplasticity Neuroplasticity doesn't only change our brains, it also shapes our genes. Basically, not all our genes are expressed. Our experiences affect which genes are turned on and used. Once a gene is turned on, it makes a new protein which changes the cell structure, which in turn shapes our brain's anatomy to further affect our genes. Psychiatrist and researcher Ed Kandel argues that psychotherapy can change people fundamentally. During the therapy, patients uncover layers of memory, some of which are buried deep in their subconscious. As they talk through the experiences, they don't just remember the past, they're reliving and relearning the past. This changes their gene expression and thus the strength and structure of the synaptic connections between their brain cells. One of Deutsch's patients found himself backing off each time he got romantically involved with a woman. At night, he was haunted by dreams where he was searching for something. Through psychotherapy, he realized that he had erected many walls to avoid the devastating pain of losing his mother at a young age. In fact, he barely recalled anything before the age of four. As he unmasked old neuronal networks, he realized how deeply he missed his mother and lapsed into bursts of childlike wails and babbles. He was reliving his childhood and soothing the pain that he had suppressed. When he finally accepted his mother's death, he could move on to healthier relationships. By now, you've learned the how, why, and what of neuroplasticity. Essentially, we are not stuck with the brain or genes we were born with. In fact, your brain is changing all the time. This has allowed human beings to change so quickly instead of relying on the slow process of evolution. Our plastic brain allows us to create rich cultures and innovations, which in turn shapes our brain in a two-way relationship. However, neuroplasticity is a double-edged sword. It can make us more flexible and adaptable but it can also make us more vulnerable to outside influences. This book is packed with detailed stories and empirical research that takes us through decades of scientific progress. Deutsch shows how different scientists, doctors, and researchers made their discoveries, 
how they tested and applied the newly acquired knowledge, and what potential solutions are still being researched. He also dives into detailed explanations of the human body, diseases, and disabilities to help us understand how they relate to the latest neuroscience discoveries. If you've enjoyed the ideas in this summary, do get a copy of the book or visit normandoidge.com for more details. Hello, listener. Thank you for listening to our content. Remember to follow us here on the platform. We prepared a graphic of the book with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps so you know everything about the book in minutes.